Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Rock is a Hard Place, our podcast where we feature independent upcoming bands that and kind of chronicle the things that they go through to make it in this crazy music business. And joining us once again from Hollywood, California, Zach Ambrose from the Ambrose Band. How you doing? Great. How are you doing? Pleasure to talk with you again. And we had such a fun time last time. You kind of gave us a little back history and just kind of how you got started in this music business. Maybe update us on where you sit, what the, the status is for Ambrose right now. Are you, are you working on maybe doing some shows and some touring? I know you're, we'll get to some studio stuff that you're doing too in just a minute here, but what's the status of Ambrose right now? Yeah, we're just, uh, we're, we're working on a tour. So it's, you know, we're an independent band, so it takes a lot of um, coordinating to put it all together. And right now I'm working on getting the band out because um, we've been invited to perform for Fashion Week, which is great because the fashion world and, and music world go hand in hand. And so, um, yeah, it's, I'll be on the 9th, Friday the 9th of September, and uh, it's at, they have a Playboy club that they've actually opened downtown. And um, it's with friends that I've performed for before. And, they're uh, yeah, they, they put on a great production. It would be the first Friday night of that week. And, um, and then they throw these after parties, the promoter that I've been speaking to, and it's always good to play in New York. Um, it's that time of year because the leaves are changing colors, and you know, or it's right before the leaves change colors, but it starts to cool down a little bit, and and uh, the city gets packed up with with a bunch of people that come in, and then it's also the U.S. Open week weekend or week of, and um, so it's always a great time to be out there and perform, and then um, and then from there, hopefully, he'll be able to hit the East Coast, but. You know, I've been working hard to, to find private investors so that we could get out to see you guys and to get up and down the Northwest as well and to the Midwest. And it's just it's tough um, right now. But uh, you never can tell. That's why you have to keep pushing forward and you keep performing because the only good things that ever come out of uh, the industry always come out of performances, most likely. And that's, that's what I've learned over the years is you just have to keep playing. Yeah, I mean, this is a great opportunity to build that that fan base, which isn't easy anymore, right? I mean, no. especially when you, I don't know what your your live scene is like in Hollywood, but across the country, it's it's not easy to get those millennials who are in their 20s to come out to live shows. No, it's true, and it takes an entire team. I mean, I think the hardest part for, for me, before we even had radio, I was always a performance guy. I mean, I, I grew grew up performing on the strip, and that's really how I cut my teeth in the industry. Was just playing as much as possible, and um, and I was doing. I always do it more for the sanity even than anything else because you know it's just hard to sleep at night if you're if you get used to entertaining. It's really hard to sleep at night if you're not on stage at least once a week doing what you love to do the most. So you know, it's always about keeping busy and trying to play as much as you can. And if the band's not touring, I'm, I'll playing with whoever I can play with whenever I can play with them and I mean um, it's just like any artist when looking back I mean Hendrix was the same way all all artists I think Slash included Eric Clapton you know I mean I'm a guitarist first and foremost and a songwriter first and foremost and for me 
you know, it's basically part of my existence is being able to play and perform. So there's always a stake somewhere you can get on. And um, that's just my advice to anyone who, you know, has talent and, and feels frustrated. Is just the more you play, the less frustrated you'll, you'll be. So there's always a way to, to do it. You just have to find the way. <laughs> and it's, it's all about momentum. So, you know, I mean, that's how I got my first record deal was just I was just always performing everywhere. And if someone offered to track me, I'd go track with them. If there was a band that offered for me to jam with them, I'd jam with them and, you know, just be around as much talent as you can at all times. And that's, that's what I still live by and I still attempt to do. We're talking with Zach Ambrose. Now, I know when you're not doing the Ambrose stuff and you are – currently working on a new project why don't you tell me that because you're you're kind of working as as a musician and a producer correct yeah that's correct like well i co-wrote i wrote all the music for this album and um like i said you know i've had the pleasure of, of playing and working with a lot of great people over the years but um we were playing a show at the viper room and um uh this, this young woman by the name of savannah she's just 25 and she came to one of the shows and she came up to me after and said you know i'm a singer and would you ever you know want to work together or whatever and she was really into the show and she was pretty smart about the things she was saying i could tell that she'd been an entertainer before and so she has spent time on stage and she's pretty seasoned when it comes to, to entertaining which i didn't know so much at the time but you know i just we were standing outside and she just sang a couple notes for me and she had a really bluesy soulful voice and so you know i said sure let's let's jam sometime and see what happens and then we ended up writing, you know, I think eight songs within eight sessions, eight writing sessions of just jamming it out. And, you know, the chemistry was great as a writing team. And she writes great lyrics and great hooks. And sometimes it just happens like that where, where it's a, a great match musically. And this just happened to be one of those cases. And if I hadn't been performing that night, I wouldn't have met her. And um, she was able to come up with the with a great budget to actually do a real album, which is the only way that I'll, I'll do it. I mean, it's an EP, but, um, you know, it costs, it costs good money to do a good record. And so we brought in the heavy hitter players. We've got the uh, keyboardist from the Jimmy Kimmel show, Jeff Babco on it. And, um, we did it out at studio city sound and the engineer who engine, who's engineering the whole thing. His name is, uh, Tom Weir. And so he actually did cherry bomb. He's done a bunch of, you know, it's kind of a, an infamous studio that's right over the hill in, in Burbank. So within two weeks, we cut six tracks. And then, um, yeah, I just finished guitars last week on Sunday. And uh, now now I'm going to be mixing it down. But, you know, that's what, something I've learned over the years is if, if you believe in someone and you see the talents there, then you get, it's worth giving it a shot, you know. And in today's industry, you've got to be able to do multiple things. You can't just rely on one thing you know i mean it all kind of bleeds together whether it's playing performing writing singing you just got to use whatever tools you have in the tool shed how does that even happen somebody comes to your show and then boom you're in the recording studio with them working on an ep <laughs> i mean it was about it was like about a three-month process but i mean i like to move quick because i need to get back to the band so i, I told her i said you know if we're going to do this i need this much money by this date you know once we realized that we could write together, I said, here's, here's my album. You know, I might go listen to the old albums as well. This is what I do, and this is what I suggest we do. And then, you know, I typed up a plan, gave it to her. Her attorney got a contract for me, and then, you know, it happened really quickly. And usually when something's supposed to happen, it happens quick, you know. 
That's crazy. That that's Especially awesome. Music, musically, yeah. But um, the band's the same band that did uh, the Alanis Morse Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. They've played on all kinds of stuff. But um, well, it's Matt Logg and Lance Morse, and I've known those guys for years. And that's just one of the things that you get from being in LA and working a lot. You know, is you get to know great musicians, and I just happen to know the right musicians for her. You know. We're talking with Zach Ambrose. Tell me about the the kind of guitars that that you play. Do you have a baby of yours that you your go to? Yeah, I've got a lot. Of, I've got a lot of guitars, but uh, my two favorites. I'm looking at one of them right now. It's uh, ES135, and then I've got an F150, um, which is an old Gibson 1954. That's my main acoustic. It's an arch top. It's an old 50s. For me, the old the Gibson of the 50s, you can't beat them. For something, there's a, there's something about the wood that ear and the necks and just the way that they were put together. Um, is they it, sound the brightest and the best. And then a Les Paul, I play, I play a 1991 Les Paul Classic. is my main ride when it comes to electric. Is it a feel thing when you when you, I mean you got the look absolutely with the Les Pauls that it, when you pick it up is just when you put it in your hand. Is it just, it just something? Just go, yep, that that's it for me. Uh, it's, yeah, it's more like it's more when you play it. It's, if you start writing songs right away, or, or you just can't put it down, then um, then I usually try to do whatever I have to do to get that guitar. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, every instrument will evoke a different emotion or has different tones and textures. And the reason why my Les Paul, the 91, is so personal is because I've had it since I was 16, and it's fully rigged out so it can sound like a Tele or a Strat, but it still has a sustain and the neck that I'm used to and grew up with, you know. Do but, you? Go ahead. Yeah. I got a lot of guitars. I have a 12-string Dolbro as well, which there's only 700 and something of those made, and it's like, I think it's a 1962. But um, it gives a real chimey, unique feel to it as well, so... It's just an example of, of an instrument that you write some like I wrote two minutes to paradise on that guitar, which is a twelve string. That's funny. Whereas, so, yeah, start a fire. I wrote on on an arch top, and then the heavier stuff I usually write on electrics. But you never know. Is there a guitar that you don't have yet that you want? Uh, there's always a guitar that you want <laughs> that you don't have. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so that I was a like stupid get, question. Like, an old uh, blues hawk from. Like what well, would it be like? An, it would be an early '90s blues hawk. They're out there and they're not that expensive, but um, it's kind of like a Tele, but a Gibson version of the Tele that came out in the early '90s, and then they're reissuing them again. But uh, the new ones aren't the same as the early '90s one, and you can never have enough Les Pauls. We're talking with Zach Ambrose from the band Ambrose. Let, let's talk about your personal life. Are, are you married? Are you single? Do you have kids? No, I'm single. It's pretty tough um, when you're a musician to hold down. A long-term relationship especially when you consistently have to put the music first and there's not a lot of people that understand why you're doing what you're doing because unless you're a musician it's hard to understand the drives behind it because it's not a monetary drive obviously or else there's a million other things you can do where you're gonna make more money um, you know and take less risk but you don't do it for the money you do it because you love it and you really don't have a choice at the end of the day it's just what you have to do yeah I would. So, it, Go ahead. Yeah, it's just tough for us. It's tough to hold on a relationship because then you've got a tour, and um, and you've got to be out promoting whatever you're doing as much as possible. So 
it never ends. It's like the job that, that you don't just go home and go to bed and at night and clock out. You're always kind of have to be working. There are no doubt some special people that musicians can go to. Once you find, I think, that special person that can deal with all of that, then I think you probably hang on to them, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things I wanted to do with this podcast was also kind of feature a song, and we did that last week, too. And one of the songs, and you actually referenced it a little while ago, uh, I, I want to know more about Two Minutes to Paradise. There's, there's a lot going on. There's a little pain in the song. I, I love the storytelling. That's a completely different art form, and I, I think you have that. Yeah, I mean, for me, when I write the the lyrics, they usually come before the song, and then I try to wrap the sound around the words to to kind of empower the words, you know, and to give them a vessel. So I used to do it the other way where the riff would come first, but it's actually a little more, I think it's a little more out of the box and more creative if you actually do it do the words first and then wrap the music around the words so but two minutes to paradise it was one of those ones where it all happened at once so the chord progression came at the same time as the lyrics and it just happened really quickly and that's usually when you're onto something you know but um yeah it's a story about new york and my struggles in new york when i lived there for a year um and just all the stuff that i saw and, and then all the people that i've seen struggle with addiction and um, and what's, what I see happening across the U.S. with the whole opiate crisis. And so I put it into a, a story form and then, um, you know, went with the kind of country American style that would kind of tell that story in, in like a Tom Petty way. Yeah, you, I don't know, it, it kind of seems like you have, uh, hopefully this is a compliment, you, it seems like you have kind of an old soul. Yeah, that's a great compliment. <laughs> Yeah, because just the way, because that's, to tell a story like that, and you can kind of tell some of the things that are going on, and certainly you can relate to what's happening going on. If you mm -hmm. know some people have dealt with all kinds of issues in, in your life, I think we all have. Then when you yeah. hear someone and how that song is laid out and you go through the whole story of the process, it, that's a different talent to get that message across. I appreciate that, especially coming from you. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's it's an honor to be able to write music that potentially other people will hear. So I think you should write something that means something, you know, and that hopefully somewhere someone can relate to it and say, hey, I'm not alone. Or, you know, some songs are are meant to have just a good time to and to not and be able to zone out and not think. And other songs are meant to convey something that, that can maybe help someone get off the floor and feel, feel like they're not in isolation or whatever, you know. Does that have so, a little... Does that song have a little pedal steel in it, or is that just... Yeah, no, I play, there's a bunch of, um, actually, there's there's a lot going on in there. <laughs> there's a bunch of slide work that's in, um, you have to listen really closely to. I tend to overdo the guitars because I love it, but um, <laughs> the 12-string dobro's in there, uh, way back in the mix. And then, yeah, there's this, there's some slide guitar everywhere, and then I actually played... I have a 19, uh, what is this, like a 1964 Fender Jaguar, so, um, and it's real country. It's got a brass neck for the players out there. I mean, a brass nut at the neck for the players out there that know what I'm talking about. So it's like the real, real country style um, Fender before the telly just completely took over the country scene. This was kind of like that surf rock country guitar that they used, and so that is one of the songs that it's all flat picking, and so I use it. And just wrap wrap little textures around the um, chords. 
kind of like a Ronnie Wood deal, you know, but more country. Yeah, it's really, really good. And again, such a special song. Pleasure talking with you again. We'll leave you alone. I know you're, you've got 10,000 things going on and producing and get, trying to get all the stuff done for Savannah. And maybe we can check in with you again in a week. See what's up. That'd be great. I, I love talking to you. Thanks, Spence. Hi, buddy. And thanks for all everyone who's been listening and for uh, checking out the tunes. We appreciate your support. And um, yeah, we're doing everything we can to get out to you.